0: Live from the Findlay Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. Ranked uh, above 80th. Hey Ed, can you hear us? Hello. Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh, this is not Hello? good. This is the press box. Come on. Are you there? I'm off. With Grady
1: and
2: Bischoff.
0: Ed, disconnect. Hi, are you there? Ed, check your phone. You're sending us messages. Yes, we Hello? hear you. Disconnect? On ESPN Las Vegas. Did you hear me uh, we'll hello if if you were yelling at me to disconnect? Yes, I was. That, oh, that's, that's awesome.
3: awesome. We'll see if that happens today. It's Ed, Jared. I get to be the one yelling Yeah, hello. yeah. You sound good, though. You sound good. You sound solid. Do sound I? Clean. Yes, you sound clean. <laughs> uh, you are on the clean feed. So <laughs> if you're on the clean feed, you better sound clean. Here we are on a Monday. Ed, Tyler, and Jared. Lots of football to get to. And we know Jared's sad about one result. The first bite. We're not going to talk about that today. Well, I think we are.
1: <laughs> I don't know what the first bite is sponsored by today because I can't see what Tyler had for breakfast. Will the Patriots' way work in Vegas? Is Bill Belichick coming?
3: I don't is think so. I don't too? think
1: they no, got that guy.
3: No. Can we get uh, his girlfriend?
0: <laughs>
3: Whoa, or is he's gonna? Anyway, uh, the Patriots' way. So this is this is what I thought. Tyler, when they hired both of those guys yesterday, Dave Ziegler the GM and Josh McDaniels as the coach. I want to know what you think about this because I think if they both kind of play to what their perceived strengths are, it could work. The only thing I'm worried about with the Patriots way is Belichick gave Ziegler some power in the last few years. And supposedly he did a good job in terms of the drafts and personnel and, and, and that. But if Josh McDaniels, in my mind, comes in, and requests all power and wants, you know, uh 49 over Dave Ziegler. I don't know if it's going to work, and I'm only basing that on And Maybe it's unfair to Josh McDaniels from his time in Denver when it was a complete disaster when he had control of the roster and he made really bad moves, some good ones later in the draft, but really bad moves. So my first impression right off the top is if Dave Ziegler is allowed to be the personnel guy and do the drafting with, you know, input from Josh McDaniels, it might work, but... You know, the Patriots' way has always been Belichick's way, so I'm not really sure if this tandem is going to work out, but I do think that Josh McDaniels needs to just coach football.
0: I need to make one – Preemptive apology. I am going to call Dave Ziegler Mark Ziegler. You have I've done it, that in I've the done round it in up. our rundown, <gasps> like sixteen <laughs> times. I I apologize in advance if I call him Mark Ziegler. <laughs> Mark Ziegler co- covers San Diego State for the San Diego Union Tribune. They are not the same person. We don't I apologize well, in I mean, advance. Well,
3: let's see how Dave Ziegler drafts, and we'll make that decision later. <laughs> they well, should maybe we, they should have hired Mark Ziegler.
0: My question is more or less who did Mark Davis hire did he did he hire Mark Ziegler or did he hire Josh McDaniels like which one of those guys was he impressed with because I don't I find it hard to believe right that he was like this is far and away the best GM candidate and this is the best head coach candidate and it just so happens that they were on the same team and are friends together like he I think it's very clear he loves one of them and that one convinced him hey let's let's bring along my friend to be the head coach or bring along my friend to be the gm so that's the main thing i'm curious about is who did mark davis hire and mm. who got brought along as the tag along and and got and mark davis got convinced hey this guy's going to be good as a gm or this guy's going to be good as a head coach and then as far as power structure goes you're right are we in another 51 49 situation are we in another scenario where yeah, they talk to each other, and when they agree on things, it's nice. But when they disagree, like, are we in that same exact scenario that they were just in with John Gruden that led to, honestly, terrible drafts? I mean, given the first-round picks they had, those were terrible drafts. Sure, they hit on some mid-round picks, but given that they had so many first-round picks, the, the Raiders blew it with the John Gruden-Mike Mayock setup. So, yeah, it's I'm curious to know which one of these guys Mark Davis hired, like which one was his the reason this these guys are both coming. And who ultimately holds the power? And the answer is probably the same to both of those questions.
1: Does chasing the Patriots way feel very 2012 to anyone else? Like, <laughs> like something uh, that everyone did in the mid-2010s and has since like kind of gone, okay, this doesn't work.
3: Yeah. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point because the one guy that uh, is the Patriots way is staying with the Patriots, obviously. He's not going <laughs> anywhere. I... This is interesting. It's a great question because Dave Ziegler was, was uh, you know, he was interviewed. He was one of the first GM candidates interviewed, right. which was a few weeks ago. And then Josh McDaniels is the last head coaching uh, um, guy interviewed. I, I think this is a surprise that I'm saying this, but I think he hired Dave Ziegler. And Dave Ziegler said, I want my buddy to be the coach.
0: Yeah, timeline-wise, it absolutely sounds like that. I mean, timeline-wise, that would make sense that he interviewed Ziegler and thought, yeah, I like this guy. I, I want to make this guy the GM. And Ziegler said, well, if you're making me the GM, this is who I want to hire as head coach. And then, not that Mark Davis doesn't like both guys, obviously, but right. I I have to believe he was talked into one of the two by the other. Right? Like, I think that's scenario. Because the other question I would have, A, we know Josh McDaniels did not interview for any other job.
3: No. Did, did no.
0: Ziegler interview for any other jobs?
3: Not that I read or, or knew about or heard about. So Ziegler... Just interviewed for the GM job. He was one of, I think he might have been, look, you and I have said all along, we don't know everyone who interviewed for this. I don't think we did. We just got the reports and people reporting about who was in there. I had. I have to believe he interviewed more people than we thought. Maybe not. But I think Ziggler was the first GM interview. And there were a lot of GM jobs open, and I never saw his name linked to another. Maybe he felt so good about it and wanted the Raiders' job so bad that he chose not to interview for other jobs, if, in fact, that's what happened. And you're right about McDaniels. Which, which lend, doesn't it lend you to believe then all along, you know, they felt pretty good that this was going to be a package deal and they were going to be together.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's a, certainly a possibility that uh, Ziegler did an interview and had a good feeling, whatever Mark Davis told him, that he was going to be the next general manager. Uh, granted, there was, what, roughly a week between his interview and yesterday's announcement of him actually being hired, so there was some time, so maybe he's a little nervous for him that he wasn't going to get it. But yeah, I think that... That timeline makes some sense that Ziegler got interviewed and then felt really confident he was going to get the job. Uh, and so there was no need to interview for other jobs. And maybe we can apply that to Josh McDaniels as well. Or maybe nobody else wanted Josh McDaniels. That's certainly possible as well. Did you see I wanted to ask you, did you see the report about Josh McDaniels three hour dinner with Mark Davis? Uh,
3: no, I'm seeing it now.
0: All right, so uh, Jordan Schultz reported that Josh McDaniels had a three-hour dinner with Mark Davis and the rest of Raiders' upper management last night. I'm told Davis was blown away by Josh and sees him as a huge plus for Derek Carr. McDaniels laid out an extensive, aggressive offensive system that he believes Derek Carr can execute, focused on the use of play action and much more two tight end sets with both Darren Waller and Foster Moreau.
3: Well, if there's one thing he's going to push and I think would you know get stars in Davis's eyes is what he did with Tom Brady and now you know Mac Jones, mostly with Tom Brady. I My mean, I guarantee is Brady's name was mentioned often in that three-hour dinner <laughs> conversation because why wouldn't you? I'd mention him all the time too. Um, interesting in terms of what he thinks he can do more with Derek Carr. Look, the Patriots were better in red zone. They were better in third-down conversion. They've been better in a lot of ways that the Raiders have really stunk in. Uh, I'm sure he pushed that as well. So what it what the other thing it tells me is whether and I'm sure Ziegler and McDaniels have talked about this. If that if this is true, then they're going to extend Derek Carr.
0: Right. Uh, And that's the the other big question here. Obviously, McDaniels hasn't been announced as head coach yet, but presuming that happens in the next 24 hours. I hope
3: it does. If you read our paper today, (laughs) (laughs) I hope this guy's the head coach.
0: Well, listen, he backed out on the he Colts. He did back so out on the Colts, yeah. <laughs> until, they, until the press conference happens, you might want to hold your breath. <laughs> but uh, it is – on Derek Carr, It's it would seem as though, if this report is true, they're keeping Derek Carr. Right. And it would seem as though the offseason process for Mark Davis involved, hey, this team is pretty close. Let's keep it together and try to win next season, not, hey – we're nowhere close let's blow it up and try to rebuild for the future the other uh tweet from jordan schultz was that mcdaniels had a plan to fix the raiders red zone and it was deploying more josh jacobs and relying more on tight ends uh like darren waller and so overall big picture strategy here do you think it's a good plan for josh mcdaniels to come in and say listen we're just going to keep using the same best players the Raiders have been using for the last three years. I'm just going to be better at it than John Gruden was. Like, is that a good plan for the Raiders to actually win?
3: I think it is. I actually I actually think it is because uh, I do like Waller, and I think this guy, like I said, I think you have to trust this guy because they have been good in the red zone, and he's done it with people like Mac Jones. So if he comes in and he thinks he can fix the woes, you know, obviously he was really prepared. Which he should have been three hours. I mean, I'm sure he had watched tape and knew everything about them coming in. That's what those guys are when they come into interviews. So if he if he thinks he can get it done uh, with the guys they have, I'm not apt to disagree with him or think he's wrong. I want to see it first, but you know. And, and the other thing is, I don't know. We talked about this before, also that Mark Davis was going to be the kind of guy that said we made the playoffs. We don't need to make major changes. We need to, you know, tweak here and there. He was not going to be a guy that says, "Oh, we need to blow it up. And we get a got to get a, you know, rid of a bunch of players." Now, whether that's the best strategy or not, you and I have said we don't know because it could be a better strategy that they are closer to six and ten. Excuse me, uh, six and uh, eleven than you know whatever is ten and seven, right? But I think Davis, you know, whether it's you know fool's gold or not, believes because they made the playoffs. That they're that they're close to it so him hearing that hey we're going to keep these same players I'm just going to be better coach I could see Davis liking that
0: so I'll give you two stats on specifically on the red zone stuff this past season Darren Waller was hurt missed a handful of games and Josh Jacobs I think he only missed two full games but Josh Jacobs was hurt throughout the year they certainly limited his touches in quite a few games even when he was playing if we go back to 2020. When Darren Waller was healthy for the entire year, when Josh Jacobs was uh, relatively healthy considering as a running back, Darren Waller had the second most targets in the red zone in 2020 of all players in the entire NFL. Only Devontae Adams had more. That same year, Josh Jacobs had the most carries of any player in the red zone in the entire NFL. And in 2020, guess what? The Raiders sucked in the red zone they just like, in the did zone, in like they did last year. So John Gruden tried the whole, hey, we're going to throw it to Darren Wilder. We're going to give it to Josh Jacobs in the red zone. And it didn't work. Like just simply giving it more to your best players. I don't think that's an answer. Now can Josh McDaniels coach better? Can he have better play calling, more creative play calling that works? Quite possibly. I think there's a good chance that happens. But what I think is interesting is Josh McDaniels' best way to get the job was to tell Mark Davis hey we can win with the players you already have mm-hmm. but I think Josh McDaniel's best way to actually win is to get better players like I think part of his strategy needs to be we need a better wide receiver than Hunter Renfro on this team right I think that we need a better offensive line so that oh when I yeah give it to Josh Those Jacobs two things four he has times to be better at on the five yard yes. line we can score like I think like I think it's two separate things I think to get the job you tell Mark Davis yeah Oh, Derek Carr's great. We're going to give it to Josh Jacobs inside the five. Darren Waller's going to get a ton of targets in the end zone. Like, I think you tell him that. But in reality, if you're going to make significant improvements, you've got to actually add more players. It's not just a matter of, hey, I'm going to coach these guys up better. There's got to be a level of, I'm going to get better players, so it's way easier for me to coach these guys
3: up. No, but I think he does think he's a better coach.
0: Right. I I bet he does, too. I absolutely bet he does. And... <laughs> And here's the thing, coach with an ego. Yeah, and I, I haven't. I don't know. I haven't made up my mind. I thought I was gonna say he's. I think he's gonna be better, but at the same time, I saw a tweet yesterday from Bill Barnwell that Josh McDaniels has only had one season ever without Tom Brady where they were top half in uh, efficiency on offense, and that was this past year with Mac Jones. So when he was with the Broncos, he had the one year as the Rams' offensive coordinator. Last year, when he had Cam Newton, like. There's five years in there where he didn't have Tom Brady and only once did he have an actual good offense. And even then it wasn't like it was a great offense. So I, I'm i somewhat optimistic about McDaniels, but I can't go all in saying it's
3: a it's a No, great I can't fire. go all in either. And it goes back to, again, total control. And I don't think he I, not deserves the wrong word, but I don't think he should have that. I don't think yeah. he should have total control when it comes to the personnel or the roster. I really don't. Yeah. I think that could get them in a lot of trouble.
0: Especially given what we just saw from the Raiders with John Gruden and Mike Mayock. Coming up next, hey, there were a couple of fun football games yesterday, weren't there, Jared? Then can you tell us a little bit
3: about your your, your chain there?
0: Oh, you like that one? Yeah. I would not. There's no story to it. It's just uh, I think it's pretty cool.
3: (laughs) We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. That thing?
0: I believe that was Joe Burrow, right? You see that chain he was wearing? Yeah, post-game, talking about his – he said he's too rich to wear fake uh, jewelry.
3: I think so. that kid had a mink coat on. He had some <laughs> – he said some huge yeah. coat on looked like a mink coat with the chain.
0: All right, All right, let me ask you this about Joe Burrow. He, he Actually, let me give you this stat. He's the first quarterback taken number one overall to make it to the Super Bowl in his first two seasons uh, in the NFL, which is – Impressive, given that most of the time when a quarterback is taken first overall or anyone is taken first overall, uh, the team they're going to sucks. And that's the case for the Bengals a couple years ago. And now they're the Super Bowl. But let me ask you this about Joe Burrow. A, how good do you think he is right now? And how good do you think he's going to be? Like, is he going to be like top five quarterback for the next decade? Or is that too optimistic?
3: I'm not sure he's top five now. Um, I think he's like maybe he's definitely top 10. I mean, we've done the rankings before so I'm not going to say hey, he's 6, he's 8, he's 9. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to do that, but I think he's top 10 now. I think it more depends on who's around him because I think he's really good. I don't want to put it on him that he's going to be he's not going to be good for the next decade, but whether it's their offensive line, if they can keep signing defensive players. They signed a lot of uh defensive players that maybe didn't have the names of Von Miller and others, but they signed good defensive players. Like I think it's with Joe Burrow, it's going to be more people around him and how good they are comparative to just okay he's gonna be tom brady and it doesn't matter who's around him he's gonna be great but look to be in the super bowl this quick quick and you can't take anything away from a guy who wears that kind of chain uh i think he's i think he's very very good i mean good for him i think he's very very good
0: yeah i think he's gonna be top 10 quarterback for the next decade and maybe pushes his way into the top five Uh, at some point during that stretch or maybe he has seasons where he's hey the second or third best and then kind of falls back to maybe the eighth or ninth best but if you're looking at supporting cast jamar chase should be there for a long Mm -hmm. time right their receiving core is good and young they don't have old wide receivers there uh and their offensive line can't really get worse right like it's it's pretty bad so uh i'd assume the offense is going to be kind of intact and if not better for the next few years in cincinnati which is got to be very exciting. I think the main concern there is that their divisions probably never going to be easy because A Lamar Jackson and the Ravens exist in that division and B I mean would it be that big of a surprise if the Steelers go, you know, 9 and 8 again next year and that the Bengals only won 10 games this year. So their yeah. division's probably not going to be easy. So there's a, like there's a chance Burrow's good and the Bengals like they could miss the playoffs yeah, sometime yeah,
3: over the next 10 absolutely. years. Like that's oh, for certainly
0: sure. a possibility. Oh, by the way, do we need to let you have a victory lap?
3: Oh, uh, someone <laughs> tweeted that, texted me that yesterday, you know. I, I, I don't want to do that. I did say very l- a long time ago the Cincinnati Bengals were the best team in the AFC. Like, Is that week true? Six?
1: I, I think you and I were like, the Bengals yes. are the best team. Was that week five or yes.
0: six? My, yes.
3: <laughs> now.
0: We were like five or six weeks in. We didn't the know fact, who it was, and you told us the Bengals, well, and here and we the, are.
3: And there's no reason to discount my uh, – my prediction there, given I changed my mind uh, in the next 10 straight weeks, but uh, I'll go back but to week five and six and take the victory lap. Immediately after that game, I got a him. text from someone said, are you going to say on the show tomorrow that you picked the Bengals? Like, well, I didn't really pick the Bengals. It was just a week where they won a game, and someone said, who's the best team in the AFC? So Jared and I threw out, oh, the Bengals are.
0: I think you should take
3: the victory lap.
0: Uh, take it. I don't get many of them, it. so I'll take it. <laughs> All right. On the losing side of this. Oh. Uh, how how should we be talking about Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid? Because obviously, they've won a Super Bowl. They've had a lot of success. They've been really good together. But they abs- I mean, they choked away. Mm-hmm. A, I mean, it was the AFC Championship. But they kind of choked away a Super Bowl yesterday.
1: Mm-hmm. You can't. I mean, genuinely, what happened the last time you played the Bengals? You got up big and then played like crap in the second half. That's
3: that's and what- Mahomes did. He looked awful. He looked terrible. Uh beginning with the uh with the screen passed in the first half, which with five seconds let me have one more play. Okay, let you have one more play, then throw it into the end zone. I mean at least right. try. Like that
0: was that was such a such a bizarre mistake from Mahomes, right? Like yeah. there like there's certain quarterbacks in the NFL you watch and you feel like they have just complete control over every single scenario and i'll use like one example that like aaron Rodgers does it tom brady does it like every single time that the other team is running their 12th guy off the field late or somebody jumps off sides those quarterbacks get a free play there's a lot of quarterbacks in the league that don't recognize it they aren't aware and they don't get a free play but those are the types of plays where you see that and you're like, yes, that guy is in complete control. He knows exactly what's happening and he knows exactly how to take advantage of, hey, I got a free play. I'm throwing it down the field, whatever it is. Mahomes throwing it short at the goal line was... It, that's like something that you would expect a quarterback who's just out there. Hey, here's read one. If it's not open, throw it to read two. And there is no context that changes your opinion. Right. Like, it was so bizarre to see Mahomes do that. Like, had if we had seen... Garoppolo do that? I wouldn't have thought twice about it. I'm like, yeah, that's Jimmy Garoppolo. He's just out there programmed to do the next read. But from a whole, it just felt so strange to see one of the few quarterbacks that you're like, that guy knows exactly everything. What's going on? Exactly what's happening? For him to throw it short of the end zone was bizarre.
3: No, he wasn't good. He wasn't good at all. Beginning with that, and then it carried over into the second half. How about Andy Reid? You want a hot take? This is a tweeted this morning. He's lost five conference championship games as he as he was a favorite most all time. No Hall of Fame coach has lost more games that he shouldn't than Reed has. So as good as Andy Reid and you know, in a lot of ways have been, five championship games that he was the favorite. Bengals, Patriots, Cardinals, Panthers, Bucks. He's so, the favorite in all of them.
0: Man, here all right, here's the thing with that. That is obviously very bad. Uh you don't want to lose that many times to go to the Super Bowl when you're the favorite. But you also have to be really good to be in those scenarios. No, that exactly. Often. Yeah, like, he's
3: yeah. in the Hall of Fame. I mean, but like, yeah.
0: it's it's such a hard criticism because there was there was another one. Um, who tweeted this out? Hawk blogger on Twitter said, "I guess we can start the talk of how Andy Reid is underperforming the best quarterback in football on his rookie deal, and Patrick Mahomes on his rookie contract. They won a Super Bowl. They they made it to another Super Bowl, and they made it to two AFC title games. Like that's what they did with Patrick Mahomes." on his rookie contract and that's unbelievable that's four very good seasons but Mahomes, his cat pick goes from seven million this season to 35 million next season mm-hmm. like they are they're out of that window where they've got unbelievable quarterback play for basically nothing seven million is nothing it's less than the marcus Mariota, back. right so <laughs> i while it's it's hard to say like, they didn't waste it. They won a, a Super Bowl. Like, you didn't waste anything when you won a Super Bowl. And they it's not like they've even missed the playoffs. They've been in the AFC title game. But it, I, I kind of feel like, yeah, they underperformed a little bit. Like, to, to walk away from Pat Mahomes' rookie contract with as good as he's been and to be that close a few times with one Super Bowl win, it, it's hard to say that out loud, but it does feel like they underperformed over these last four years.
3: I'm not so sure because I'm sure you saw the team's tweet yesterday after the game no one believed in us oh, no,
0: no god and it wasn't it wasn't that was the team oh, i was gonna say it, it, it was, was a team. local tv station oh no i, I it no was, matter who
3: it was if it was someone in kansas city they lost their minds yeah absolutely local lost their tv
0: mind. station
3: i it's, mean uh, here it is no, no one KM, believed in us
0: from kmbc against all odds
3: we were never odds.
0: supposed <laughs> to be here we were never <laughs> meant to make it this far <laughs> but against all odds we did what a season Thank you for the incredible ride. Oh. We will always be Chiefs Kingdom.
3: Oh. Okay.
1: So- <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't wait for one of our local TV stations to do this <laughs> next year when the Raiders barely miss out on the playoffs.
3: Uh you might have to you might not have to wait that long because it could be VGK not winning the Stanley Cup. Oh
0: yeah, fair enough. <laughs> like, there's there's two things of this that are unbelievable to me. One is a TV station tweeting out this tweet as though they are the Kansas city chiefs. I, we, I made the mistake. We I assumed never, it was. Yeah. You thought it was, we were never supposed to be, or we, we, we like they think they're the chiefs. But then the, the other part that's even more unbelievable is they're acting like the Kansas city chiefs were the, the 49ers huh. yesterday. Or like if the Raiders had lost in the, yeah. like the chiefs were the super bowl favorites to start the entire season. <laughs> like, what do you mean against what odds? They're, the worst they got, they, oh, they were 2-3 and three to start the year, and they they were still favored to win the AFC at that point.
3: Do you think there's any chance the anchors on that TV show were Blazers with Kansas City Chiefs logos inside <laughs> them?
0: What? Inside? Outside?
3: Probably outside. They're probably outside. Pocket, the pocket. Yeah, yes. the pocket with the huge KC on it.
0: <laughs> All right, coming up next, Kevin Kruger joins the show. Great rebound, Jordan McKay. Smallest guy on the court flying for that one. Jordan in the backcourt. Throws up ahead
1: to Hamilton. Hamilton in the frontcourt. Hamilton's going to attack. Hamilton, a floater in the lane. Is good and a foul.
3: Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff.
0: Joining us now, the head coach of the UNLV Runnin' Rebels is Kevin Krueger. Good morning, Kevin. How are you today? Morning, Kev. Doing well. How are you guys doing? Good. Good. All right. Bryce Hamilton. He's been the leading scorer of this team for the previous two seasons. Obviously, you know he's great. At what point was it? Any time during the game? Was it watching film? Like at what point did you really sit back and say, "Wow, that forty-plus point game was incredible against Colorado State."
2: Um, there, yeah, I mean, there actually was a there was a moment in the second half. You know, uh, the concern was kind of that you know the first half you take the halftime, you got momentum, you got things going. It 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 can be sometimes guys don't respond with the same efficiency in the second half, and that's not abnormal at all. But I think when he when he got his first to go and his and his second to go in the second half uh, is when it kind of hit that you know he is he's really he's really got it going tonight and. And at the time, I was thinking, you know, hopefully he can keep it going. And, and he, sure enough, he did.
3: You know, when he when he tested the waters and, and came back to you, you did say there were things he needed to work on um, with his game, whether it be efficiency defensively. Can you bring us through the thought process of how he's done with that and, and where he is now comparative to when he came back to you?
2: Yeah, I, I think, you know, that was the reason he came back was, you know, he wanted to work on the a lot of other aspects as well he's always been able to score it but uh you know and i'm not just saying it but i think it was also probably his best defensive game that he's played since he's been here he was locked in he he knew who he was guarding and uh, what we wanted to do each time and the way we switch uh you know you, we ask him to understand a lot of different guys tendencies and with a lot of the stuff colorado state runs it's not it's not that easy cause they they do a lot of great actions and and read each other well but Uh, he did a really good job of kind of creating doubt and and hesitancy when he was guarding. And, and I think he was just as locked in as, as he's been.
0: Bryce Hamilton has that big of a game, but as you mentioned there, the defense, how, how impressive was it for you to see your guys down two starters defend Colorado state that well?
2: Um, You know, it was, it was great to see. I thought they, uh, they set the tone early that they were going to compete like crazy. And, and anytime again, you're you're playing an offense like Colorado State, uh, you know you're not going to stop them all the time, but you, you just really want to let them know as as best you can that you're going to make them work and that you're going to work as hard as you possibly can. So even if they hit a shot, uh, you you got to leave them thinking that you know they earned it. And I thought you know from the start, uh, especially the way Royce and David and Vic and Reese guarded Roddy, um, they really just set the tone uh, really for the entire half and and the game
3: you talked to think afterwards about the preparation and look, everyone or most everyone's gone through COVID and injuries and have had to deal with three games and five days and all that. Uh, how important was the prep, the scout and, and at least have time for your kids to maybe take a deep breath uh, uh, for, you know, for a while in terms of all the COVID stuff that happened.
2: Yeah, I think that definitely, that was great for us to be able to have kind of that extra day um, to, to have, we had an off day and, and to have a few days of, of prep, just to, walk through stuff and these guys have dealt with it all year they've uh, they've battled through a lot of of injuries and like you mentioned with the COVID pause so I was really just proud of them for for swinging away and just laying it all out there and understanding it might not go our way but um, I think uh, right now they're feeling pretty good that uh, they gave it all they had and uh, ended up with a good result
0: Uh, Kevin am I allowed to be mad at the official stat keeper in Fort Collins because when the game ended Bryce Hamilton had 45 points, but apparently they screwed up somewhere along the line and gave him three points. He didn't have. So any, any tweets or stories with Bryce Hamilton having 45 points was wrong. Cause he only
2: had 42. Yeah. I mean, I love how you say he only had 40. <laughs> right. I only, wish, yes. uh, <laughs> that, that, that's uh, It's kind of one of those things though, that with Bryce, you can actually say he only had 42 because he, uh, I mean, he, he, he's one of those guys that you feel like you're going to score it every time. And, you know, I saw a tweet that you know him and Trey are the only two guys in the last handful of years to have 45, five and five. But I'd be shocked if anybody else had 43, five and five. So, um, you know, I think they, I think they're both safe being the only guys to have 42, five and five.
3: Kevin, who? who's developing uh along the way we know what bryce is doing but give us some players that are developing along the way in your mind as the season progresses that maybe in the beginning of the year either struggled or kind of was learning your system and learning things
2: yeah i think uh you know not just to say it but i think they they've they've all come a long way and just in continuing to just get on the same page uh but you know if we if we if we were to go into the Colorado State game, and you said we were only going to have three guys in double figures, I would have probably thought it was going to be a pretty rough night. Um, but that game specifically, you know, David Mwoka being a, a threat at the rim through throughout uh, you know, all of his minutes was huge. I mean, him finishing the and ones that he had uh, ended up being probably as big as anything. Uh, Webb coming in and knocking down big shots. Mike Nuga hits a huge shot to start the second half. Uh, he ends up one for five, but it ends up being a huge three to kind of slow or at least match the momentum that Colorado State came out with. But, uh, you know, Jordan McCabe, as much as we have him have the ball in his hands and all the decisions and the, the leadership that we're asking him to do to have one turnover. Uh, and again, going back, you know, the way Royce and Vic and David uh, guarding Roddy, I think was, you know, it, it doesn't show up in the stat sheet, but I mean, they, they, they did an unbelievable job beating him to spots, making him earn it and uh so it really was a complete game as a team all
0: right very important line of questioning here uh what was the thought process into wearing a blazer for the first time for this game
2: yeah so that actually that was uh you know we were the colorado state reached out uh and just kind of let us know that because they had been wearing pullovers like we had and uh, it was their cancer warrior game that they do every year and we were going to honor uh Cancer warriors, as they call it in their program, and and they they were going to wear suits. And when they reached out and asked if we would be a part of it, we just kind of decided that that we would do it too, just out of respect for the the cancer warrior program that they have. And so I think both so both staffs wore wore suits for that one.
0: Uh, after beating Colorado State <laughs> while wearing a blazer, you're going to keep wearing a blazer.
2: Um, uh, we haven't taken this staff vote yet, but, uh, I, I think we'll probably go back to quarter zips. Uh, uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll, see how tomorrow goes and then we might have to have another vote.
0: It's I, I will say it's a great change in the world of basketball that coaches are no longer, well, not all coaches, but a lot of coaches are no longer wearing suits. But Kevin, I'm just, I'm letting you know, if you guys lose and you're not wearing a blazer on Tuesday, you're going to get blamed because simply you didn't wear a blazer.
2: Well, I'm I'm sure I'm going to get blamed uh, no matter what if, uh, if we don't we'll come out and win tomorrow. But uh, you know, you're you're right, and you know, for all of you office fans, as Michael Scott said, you know, I'm, I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious. So that so if we don't come out and play well tomorrow, we might have to switch back to Blazers.
3: How you've got a lot of new kids, and I'm and Bryce knows this as well as anyone, but maybe not a lot of them in terms of of uh, Reno. And, you know, there's a rivalry, obviously, between schools. Do you talk to them, especially the new kids about it? Do they have any kind of thoughts on that? Or do you think it's just, okay, to them it's just going to be another game?
2: Yeah, well, we we treat it as another game. I mean, it is going to be different, uh, I think, for those that understand and are, have been around Vegas and, and this program the last few years especially. But um, it, the prep doesn't change. The mindset can't change. Um, but uh, we do know, you know, people bring up the Reno game, so – Uh, You know, we we did bring it up that, you know, this is this is UNLV's rival. So think, you know, if if there's a team that's been your rival, if there's a player that's been kind of your rival in your career, this is this is what it is for UNLV.
0: Eric Harper was obviously here as the interim AD for a couple of months. But once he got uh, the full time job, one of the first things he started talking about was getting more students uh, to games. And we saw at the last game, probably the highest turnout for students last home game. Um, we got, uh, they can get Nike shoes if they show up to every game. They're given away uh, spring break vacations to a couple of students each game. Did you, were you involved at all in those talks or, or was that all Eric Harper's doing?
2: Uh, yeah, that was a lot of harp. Um, it, you know, he's done an unbelievable job of, of putting forth the effort to get people to games. Um, you know, we know on our end, we gotta, we've gotta keep putting, uh, putting out a team and an effort and a result that, that brings people in. But, uh, he has not done anything but being uh, aggressive and, and great in just a sense of, of trying to get people into the Thomas and Mac and uh, uh, you know I, it's exciting to see it's fun to be a part of uh, there's a lot of effort right now going into getting people to UNLV events so um, I'm all for it and uh, you know I'm looking forward to even how we continue to do it going forward because I think the the you know the shoes and the spring break and the half court shots and the I think it makes kind of makes college basketball and that that environment and the electricity of a game. I think those are large parts of it.
3: Do you have a Super Bowl pick?
2: Ooh, um, yeah. I, I mean, mean, have I, you I, been able
3: to watch the games uh, because you're always watching <laughs> film and stuff and prepping?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, we got to watch a little bit of the games yesterday, but uh, I mean, it's fun to watch Joe Burrow. Kind okay. of, it's just. Uh, go out there and play and have fun, but, I mean, the Rams looked pretty good, too. When they needed things to get done, they got them done, so I'm hoping for a good game, but um, and I'm, as most Super Bowls are, I'm sure I'm sure we'll at least get that.
3: If you beat Reno, to heck with the Blazer. I want you in Joe Burrow's mink coat with a huge chain around your neck. With <laughs> mink like a mink coat, yeah.
2: Yeah. All right, you, you get it, I'll wear it.
0: <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, he is Kevin Kruger, head coach of the Running Rebels. They play uh, tomorrow night, home game against Nevada. Kevin, as always, we appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, Kevin. No, thanks, guys. Appreciate See you there. It.
3: Oh, if he beats Reno, we got to get the code. mink coat.
0: Mink <laughs> coat.
3: I think that's what Burrow was wearing. Uh, he he pr- It probably wasn't a mink coat. It looked enough like one that we can say it was a mink coat.
0: We can get fake jewelry, right? We don't make as oh, much money. we don't make as, make as much Burrow. money as
3: Joe Burrow. Yeah. No.
0: So we can get fake jewelry and get away with that. All right. Coming up next, say hey, there was an NFC Championship game yesterday, and the Rams are going to the Super Bowl on fourth down and ten from the 12-yard line. Matt Gay from 30 to give the Rams a lead. Snap back, hold down. The kick is on the way, and it is right down the middle. Matt Gay from 30. Snap back to Garoppolo. Pocket crumbling. He spins out, he's hit,
1: he's wrapped up, he flips it forward, it's tipped, it's intercepted, it's intercepted, it's intercepted! Aaron Donald got pressure on Garoppolo, and Traven Howard clinches the NFC Championship game!
3: You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter, at EdGraney and Bischoff underscore Tyler.
0: Do you believe that was the last pass Jimmy Garoppolo throws as a 49er?
3: I hope not. i like to see uh, disaster and chaos. Uh, (laughs) Well, he could go to another team. He could go to another team and have disaster (laughs) and chaos. So, no, I do think it is. And I think his quotes afterwards pretty much told the story that uh, he's done in San Francisco.
0: On the 49ers, and and they made the NFC Championship game, right? It's not like they had a, a lost season by any means, but if like what you said with the way jimmy garoppolo talked and it's sort of assumed uh, that trey lance is going to be the starting quarterback next year should they have at some point this year made trey lance the starter like like what were what exactly were we doing this whole year with a lame duck jimmy garoppolo
3: i mean i think it's two two part right you just said that they made the nfc championship uh in spite of him so maybe they thought that you know good run game uh Defensively, maybe they thought they were good enough to kind of he could he could not screw up enough to get them there. And if you play the rookie, that's a big jump to make for most rookies. So I think it was in spite of him, but they didn't want to make the switch because they probably thought they were good enough elsewhere to do it. And then again, they get one game they get one game close enough. They have the lead, in the game, um, it, you know, it almost worked out for them that they played Jimmy Garoppolo, and they were so good in other places that they almost made it happen.
0: Yeah, I I don't know. I mean. I look at it from two things. Like, we we knew who Jimmy Garoppolo was. So, the 49ers' best chance of winning the Super Bowl this year was probably with Trey Lance at quarterback. Obviously, Trey Lance would have to be very good as a rookie, but he is going to have a higher ceiling than Garoppolo. But at the same time, their their ceil- the floor would have been much lower, right, if they give Trey Lance the entire yeah, season. And he's not he very good. Be, he, he might be awful. They missed the playoffs completely. But – at the same time, that's just for the this last season. For the future, they would have been way better off playing Trey Lance too because then you would know, you'd have a better idea of how good Trey Lance is going to be. I don't know. It's just, it's just weird to have a team that makes it to the NFC Championship. Granted, a little, little fluky. It required the Cowboys and the Packers being wholly incompetent at times, but they did make the NFC Championship. But it's just weird to have like, oh, yeah, they made it, but – Lame duck quarterback, yeah. he's certainly gone, and they're going to start a guy who is a rookie, and they never even considered playing the rookie over. I mean, this, the other thing is Jimmy Garoppolo's not 100%. Jimmy Garoppolo's had a, what is it, a thumb injury right for like the last month and a half or something. Like, it's not even like this guy's 100%. Like, they could have very easily said, well, he's hurt. Let's go to Trey Lance. It's just, it's a bizarre scenario where everybody's like, yep, yeah, that guy took him to the NFC championship game. He's not back next year.
3: Maybe they were worried about the floor. Like you said, that they thought they had a good enough team, but they were worried if we play this kid, it we we we're going to lose the opportunity because we think we're so good of everywhere else. I mean, I, yeah. I I don't know. I think that has to be it. I think they were more worried about what Trey Lance could do poorly than, ironically, Jimmy Garoppolo totally screwing up <laughs> for him because they were so they were so good elsewhere. You know what I mean? I mean, and at the end with that last pass, Jimmy uh Jimmy screwed up.
0: Would Trey Lance have been worse than? Not scoring a single offensive touchdown against the Packers and then flinging it without looking on the and throwing an interception to end the season.
3: Okay, if you're going to be that specific, he couldn't (laughs) have been that bad. If we're just going to pick out a few, (laughs) one game and then one fling of the uh, ball, he could not have been that bad.
0: All right, on the Rams side, how is Cooper Cup always open?
3: I cannot believe I'm saying this. He's a better route runner than Hunter Renfro. Oh,
0: no. Hot take. hot take. Hot take.
3: Yeah, better than Hunter Renfro, comma. The Pro Bowler. Oh, Pro yeah, Bowler! He made the Pro Bowl.
0: Uh, there was a an interesting tweet yesterday from Keegan Adobo who said, against the blitz this year, Cooper Cup averaged 4.9 yards per route run. Second best was 3.4. Basically, Cooper Cup was far and away better than every other receiver in the NFL when teams blitzed. Basically, if you blitzed Matt Stafford, he was throwing to Cooper Cup because Cooper Cup was probably open Open. uh which is interesting because you very rarely do we talk about hey you shouldn't blitz because of a wide receiver right often it's when we talk about blitzing it's all about the quarterback and the offensive line play but in the Rams scenario like you you kind of can't blitz against the rams because cooper cup exists and if you do matt stafford's probably going to get the ball off quickly and cooper cups probably going to be open quickly and you're going to get burnt because of it. And that we saw a lot throughout the season, that Stafford was very good against the Blitz. And it might just be a case of, "Ah, well, Cooper Cup was very good against the Blitz, and Stafford just threw it to him, because why wouldn't you throw it to Cooper Cup?
3: What are we thinking about Matt Stafford yesterday? Over 300 yards, two touchdowns, a pick?
0: Oh, his pick. Oh, and he should have thrown another pick that would have sealed the game for the 49ers. I mean, Stafford's basically the same guy he's always been. I mean, he probably had, what, a little bit better season this year than... Most of the seasons in Detroit, yeah, he had Cooper Cup, but But he had
3: had receivers in Detroit. I should say that. I
0: I think it's more about he was with Sean McVay and he was with a competent team. Right? We talked last week. Do the Rams have the best roster in the NFL? And I think Stafford's the guy that he is a quarterback that's not going to do a ton of damage. He's not going to limit you completely. He's He threw, I think he threw the most pick sixes in the league. So he's absolutely going to make mistakes. And and the arm punt that should have been picked off, that probably would have put the 49ers in the Super Bowl, we could be talking about that as the big mistake and not Jimmy Garoppolo's hilarious backwards heave. So he certainly still makes the mistakes that can cost you. But he's good enough that, hey, he's not going to screw it up a whole lot. You're not automatically looking to replace him with Trey Lance. But I think it's more about Stafford is the level of quarterback that – a Derek Carr is that hey if you get this guy in a really good situation you could win the Super Bowl with yeah him. but if if everything's not right you're probably not winning the Super Bowl with Stafford or Derek Carr
3: I mean I thought he played well yesterday I know you talk about the mistakes he made but uh I think I think they should be the favorites they're 4 they're starting as a four point favorite against the Bengals he's going to be at home I don't think it's going to be like tomorrow where the Bengals fans are going to buy all the tickets up um, you know, I, I, I <laughs> they better, that was, they're in the Super Bowl. man, what a Niners, uh, home crowd that was yesterday. Although it got loud in the end for the, the Ram fans got pretty loud in the end when they sensed victory, but early on the comments on Twitter and everywhere else was, this is a 49ers home game.
0: It felt watching on TV. It felt like a high school sporting event 10. where, it, where it was, uh, you know, a good 50, 50 split because the teams are in the same, you know, city yeah. in the same 10 minute radius. So I like that environment. We need more of that.